0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. We continue our sermon series through Exodus. We'll be looking this morning at Exodus 12, 43, and going on into chapter 13, verse 10. Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 43. If you haven't brought a uh, Bible with you. There are Pew Bibles and the Pew racks in front of you, and our passage is found on page 55 in those Pew Bibles. In our last uh, time together in Exodus, we saw the Exodus, uh, God's people being brought out of Egypt. Now we are seeing uh, further instructions for the passover and the feast of unleavened bread which is very fitting uh, on this day that we will be uh, celebrating the lord's supper so let's uh, look at this passage together uh, exodus chapter 12 beginning in verse 43 and the lord said and the lord said to moses and aaron this is the statute of the passover No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. And the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today, in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory." You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. And thus far, God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer. Our God, how we thank you that you are a God who saves. How we thank you for your mighty power. And how we thank you, O God, that you give us reminders of your great redemptive work. And so, O God, remind us again this morning of the way that you work to save your people. And we give you thanks and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Passover was, is, at the heart of Israel's year, at the heart of Jewish and Israel's celebrations. Passover was the Old Testament redemptive event par excellence. We could say that's what got that phrase from my college Old Testament professor. The Old Testament event par excellence. He used to say it over and over and over again. The celebration of the Passover was a a reminder, a celebration of of God's salvation. We see in the, the previous passage in verses 40 and following that The Israelites had been in Egypt for 430 years. We see that twice, verse 40, verse 41, 430 years. Now they are free, and it is by God's gracious work alone that they are free. And it is important for God's people to remember this day. It is a yearly reminder it is a reminder that goes on for 7 days and it is a a great feast and we have already seen some of the earlier instructions about this passover feast and we are going to see more here and the first thing that we see is that this is to be a sanctified meal a sanctified meal it is a meal that is commanded by God. Seven days are to be set apart for a remembrance. Seven days set apart for remembrance, for this meal, for this celebration. And there are special commands, specific commands. We've seen uh, several of them previously. Let's go back and review uh, some of those. If you look at chapter 12 verse 5, uh, we see that they are to, were to take a, a lamb without blemish a year old. That will continue in future celebrations. We see that it was to be a, a communal uh, celebration. verse 6. Of chapter twelve, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to be involved in it. Uh, there were to be uh, special preparations uh, made, special instructions for how they were to prepare, how they were were to eat it. Uh, twelve eight and following, they shall eat the flesh that night, roasted with fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Uh, they were not to eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted the head with its legs. None of it, verse 10, uh, is to remain until the morning. Anything that remains in, until the morning, you shall burn. And verse 15, uh, there we, we see that seven days they were to keep this. On the first day, you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Get rid of all of the leaven. We move forward to our passage this morning. We see more instructions. In verse 46, it is to be eaten in one house. None of it is to be taken outside of that one house, and you shall not break any of its bones. We actually see that being referred to in the Gospel of John when Jesus' bones were not broken, when his legs were not broken on the cross, fulfilling this as the Passover lamb who was slain for the sins of his people. We see in chapter 13, verse 6, that they were to eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day, there was to be a big feast. There was to be no leaven again anywhere. And gatherings for worship were to be on the first day and on the seventh day. But there's something important about this eating about what is tangible about touching about tasting about ingesting what did it do it it reinforced reinforced what god had done it reinforced that they belonged to god It reinforced that God had rescued them, that God had had saved them, that God had brought about this great redemption, this lamb whose blood was put on the doorposts so that the angel angel of death would pass over. It's a reminder of God's goodness and God's grace. Because as we've seen in the past, even the Israelites themselves deserved God's punishment. They themselves deserved death. But because they had the blood of the lamb, God passed over. And so we see this as a, a sanctified meal. A meal that is to be down to the, the very details according to the commands of of God detailed instructions of what to do with the lamb what not to do with the lamb what to do with the blood only for one day don't keep any of it for the next day etc cetera, etc cetera. a feast for remembrance something to be set apart so in the same way for us Brothers and sisters, that's the Lord's supper. That we're going to partake of this morning, which is also a a remembrance, though it's more than that. We'll come back to that. A reminder of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed for us. A reminder of the great redemption that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We come and we partake in remembrance of Christ. As Jesus said, eat and drink in remembrance of me. It is a a meal that is set apart, a sanctified meal set apart for special occasions. But secondly, we see in our passage that this is to be a meal for God's sanctified people, a meal for God's sanctified people. Look at verses 43 and following. The Lord says to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it. And then in verse 45, he says it again. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. So God is giving instructions here, not only for how to prepare it, what to do with it, and what to do with it after you're done, but now we have instructions for who can and cannot eat of this meal. It's for God's own people. A foreigner, those who do not belong to the Lord, cannot eat of this meal. Yet it is for those who become worshipers, of the Lord. Look at verse 44. Every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. What happens when they become circumcised? They basically are converting to Judaism. They become part of the covenant people. They worship the one true God. Look again at verse 20 uh, sorry, 48. If a stranger shall sojourn with you, and would keep the Passover to the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There is that command again. So here is for these converts who come to worship the Lord. We also see as we move into chapter 13, this, this command to consecrate the, the firstborn. This idea of consecration is, is very important. As one commentator puts it, this introduces the, the idea or reintroduces the idea of, of holiness. And then in chapter 13, we move actually from the Passover to the whole feast of unleavened bread, the Passover meal, of course, the meal on the first day, and then the rest of the feast is the feast of unleavened bread. Leaven in the Bible often represents sin. A little leaven leavens the whole lump we read in Scripture. Look at verse 5. We read, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Especially when they enter into the promised land, they are to be set apart. They are to be sanctified from the nations around them, the people that do not worship God. This was a meal for God's people. It was a meal for God's people alone. They alone are the object of God's affection. They alone are the ones whom God has delivered. John Mackay says this, no yeast celebrated their celebration, uh, sorry, their separation, celebrated their separation as a people redeemed by the Lord and in covenant with him. No yeast celebrated their separation as a people and in covenant, redeemed by the Lord and in covenant with him. This was symbolic in one sense of leaving Egypt both physically and spiritually being set apart for God, they and they alone were to eat of it. And so we, brothers and sisters, as God's people in Christ, are to be set apart. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 with regard to the immoral brother who has his father's wife, Your boasting is not good. A little leaven, what does that mean? It means allowing one in unrepentant sin to remain in the midst of God's people. We are to be a holy people set apart for God. We are all sinners. Yes. But to remain in unrepentant sin, as this immoral brother does, is like leaving the leaven and the bread. At Passover, later in 1 Corinthians, Paul is going to warn those who eat and drink in an unworthy manner at the Lord's Supper to that they eat and drink judgment on themselves. That includes unbelievers as well as those who are in blatant, unrepentant sin. The Lord's Supper, which we'll partake of today, like the Passover, is for God's sanctified people. Not God's perfect people, but God's sanctified people. Sorry for their sins, repentant and seeking to live a holy life. So it's a meal for God's sanctified people. Third and finally, it's a meal for God's people to be sanctified. A meal for God's people to be sanctified. Getting rid of leaven in this passage, in a sense, means getting rid of sin. Putting it to death. Look at verse 7. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. This Passover was a yearly reminder, a yearly reminder of God's salvation. But it also was a reminder of something else. It was a reminder that God's people were separate set apart from the world as God's redeemed people, his own, who were to be holy as he himself is holy. As the Israelites ate of the Passover, they would say, this this lamb died in my place. This lamb was slain so that the, the, the angel of death would pass over the house slain in my place. He died in my place. The bitter herbs in the Passover meal would remind the Israelites at every Passover of their bitter service in, in, in Egypt. The bitterness of slavery... And of course, for us, although we don't have bitter herbs at communion, we can compare that to the bitterness of our sin. In thankful obedience, then, we go on to to serve God. The communal nature of this meal for the Israelites, everybody eating it at the same time, on the same night, is also important for the sanctification. Back in twelve, verse chapter twelve, verse sixteen, we we do read that there was a an assemb- to be an assembly on both the first and the seventh days. This whole celebration is bracketed by a communal celebration, communal worship—a reminder that we need one another in our walk with the Lord. A reminder here that we can't be faithful in walking with the Lord on our own. We can't be faithful Christians on our own. We need one another. The meal also unites us. It united God's people. It unites us today. The Apostle Paul says with regard to the Lord's Supper and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. It unites us in the Lord Jesus Christ as we partake together. Verse 8 also tells us of the importance of instruction. Fathers were told to tell their children why they did this. Chapter 13, verse 8 tells us this is not just any meal. This is a meal that, again, reminds God's people and when when they were to teach God's children of the, the great and mighty works of God. So we should do that as well as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and have this reminder of God's great redemptive act in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9 of chapter 13 This will be a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. This meal would be a tangible reminder. You know, many modern Jews today have taken this very seriously and they have the phylacteries and they have... Things before their eyes, on their forehead, and and things on their their, uh, hand, on their wrist. It's not, I don't believe, and most Old Testament scholars don't believe that's the way this should be read. The point is that the senses are involved in the eating. We see, touch, smell, taste, hear. And that's exactly what happens in the Lord's Supper. And God ends this passage by saying that they should keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. It's a reminder forever. For Christians in particular, the Lord's Supper is in remembrance of Christ. Our exodus, our redemption, our salvation a reminder of what Christ has done for us by his grace and mercy. But it is also for us, as we say, a means of grace. Christ comes and he is present with us spiritually to sanctify us through this means of grace. Not only was the meal for ancient Israel a sanctification. This meal in particular for us is a meal to to sanctify us. In the Lord's Supper, we have communion with the Lord Jesus Christ as well as with one another. As with the Passover, not all can partake. Not all can partake. Only those who have trusted Christ, who are members of Of his church who have made a public profession of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul warns whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So if you are not a believer, you are not trusting in Christ, if you are not a member of his church, I would strongly exhort you this morning, do not partake of the Lord's Supper, of the, of the bread and of the cup as it's passed this morning. Let it pass by, but reflect on the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself was the Lamb of God, who gave himself for the sins of sinners. But for all who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are members of his church, the meal that we're about to partake is for you. Brothers and sisters, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Let's pray. Our God, how we thank you for the great redemption that you bring for your people. How we thank you, O God, that you also tell us that you want us to remember the great things that you have done. Indeed, O God, you are a a great God, and we know that we so easily forget. And so, O God, how we thank you for these reminders that you give to us, that are also for us means of grace to strengthen and encourage us. And so, O God, humble us, draw our hearts to you as we prepare now to come to this table this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.